there's a number of things that will add value to our business. We call them, we look at the seven levers that will leverage the valuation and will help increase the multiple. And we look at the things and go, what are the things that will add value, real asset value to your business, will make it more attractive to a buyer that just don't show up on your balance sheet. And I'm talking about things like IP. And I'm not talking about KFC IP, I'm talking about Subway IP. So KFC IP, secret formula, Subway IP, it's the consistent process. People know exactly what they're gonna get, even though it's just a salad sandwich. Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker, and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights, and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hi, Gavin here. Welcome back to the Business Mastermind podcast and to my Wednesday series on buy, build, and sell. Conversations on this series so far have been about buying businesses, but what about the things that you need to do to get your business ready to sell. You might have a time horizon of three to five years where you want to sell your business. Well, today's conversation with Daryl Bates Bransford takes you through the things that you can be doing over the next few years so that you gear your business up so you can get the best possible valuation and of course make it the most attractive to potential buyers. Welcome back to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Gavin here. Great to have you on the show again, listening to the um, to, to the interviews on the show. So today, Daryl Bates Brownsworth. Daryl and I have known each other. We're just trying to work it out. We must be knocking on the door of a t- uh, 10 years or more. Um, and Daryl um, is in a similar space to me, helping businesses to grow and in and specifically helps businesses to prepare for a sale, to exit. So Daryl, welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Thanks, Gavin, and uh, nice to be here. And um, let's just stick with 10 years because uh, anything after that uh, will start to embarrass both ourselves, I think. <laughs> I think so. So as part of the sub-series that I'm running on the podcast around um, buy, build and sell, I want to tap into your expertise around helping business owners to prepare for an egg, you know, a point in time, a capital event of selling. I would like, love to I'd like you introduce yourself in a minute, but then I want to sort of dive into what are some of the miscomprehensions people have when they may come to you to start off with. And then also if in the next three to five years selling a business is on the radar, what should business owners be doing to help improve their chances of a decent capital event in that period of time? But first of all, a bit about you, a bit about your business background and how you help clients. Sure. Well, um, yeah, look, I trained initially as a, as a mechanical engineer and, um, I realized fairly quickly that I wasn't very good at that. I love getting stuck into the detail, but um, I just realized I had a passion for business. So I got out of corporate life and got involved in coaching of SMEs way back in 99. We started a, a coaching business, brought it, took it internationally. And as a part of that business, I found myself, I came over to the UK to help that business grow in 2005 and I made a commitment that I would come and help the business get established and get up and running. I'd be here for two years and then I'd chuff on back to Australia. So still here in Oxford, loving it. Um, great weather on today. It's gorgeous weather. Just, you know, I don't care whenever people are listening to this podcast. Um, I just want it to be known that there is good weather in the UK from time to time <laughs> and it's a stunning and it's, it's a good reason to live here. So, 
So, so from the business perspective, what I did is I worked with mid-market businesses and helped them to unlock the steps to growth. We all know that businesses grow and we like to think they grow in a nice exponential rate, but in reality, they grow, they get stuck, they grow, they get stuck. And we developed a formula to help them get unstuck at each of those steps. And you probably know all of that inside out now because of your continuation uh, in that area. But what, what started, I guess, um, to, I, I noticed is that, you know, working with these business owners to help them grow their business and take it to the next level. And then seeing so many of them get to a point where they go, look, I've had enough. It's time to get out and sell the business. Someone's come and knocked on their door and said, we'll offer you this amount of money for your business based on what you've told us about us. And they go, oh, they get seduced by a nice big number and they go, fantastic. They didn't see it coming. They, they, um, they go down the process. They find out that due diligence is a, is a grueling process. That's for sure. It ends up a bit like a messy divorce. Mm -hmm. um, and as they try and extract themselves from the business, the new owner says, ah, well, based on what you promised me, the business doesn't look quite like what you suggested. I need to reduce the price. Um, and by the way, I need you to be involved to, to make sure I see the value. I need you to be involved for a few years. And that's, you know, they, they're locked in. They can't get out there. And they're now getting a whole lot less value than they thought. And it just becomes a, a really, you know, can become a, a unpleasant experience to say the least. They, they end up committing to an earnout period to, to get the money they, they, they need for the exit of the sale. Six months into a three-year earnout period, they're going, look, I can't work for this new boss. He's a lunatic. He's even worse than the last boss that was in, owned the business. I'm <laughs> out of here. They'd leave, leave a whole lot of cash on the table. And, and yeah, yeah, I saw this happen only too many times and it just, it, frankly, it distressed me. And I thought, it's so sad to see this happen. You know, they've worked their whole lifetime to build up this asset. It's the biggest asset they've got often after their house or maybe even bigger than the house, depending on how big a, a mid-market business it is. They walk away, leave a whole lot of cash on the table and I'm going, this is avoidable. Mm -hmm. If you've done the right planning, you learned how throughout the journey of your business, you know, learned how to get out of the the day-to-day -day operating of the business. But um, if you'd just done this little bit of preparation, you're only going to exit it once. You want to get the most of it. Um, and that's kind of the backstory as to why I, I changed my focus from just helping to grow for growth's sake, as I was calling it, to really focusing on, on helping business owners to get the most of their life's work so they could leave on their terms. Um, and so far, and then I and I started this with a business partner um, in September last year. We started getting some clients, and then we had COVID hit. So yeah. uh, it's a nice kick in the guts for you. <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, that's certainly had. Uh, it, I think it's, it's that the whole COVID piece, though, is I think you're going to see a lot of consolidation. I think they're going to be businesses sold and and um, groups um, built or businesses grown for acquisition. So now actually might be a time to. Um, to sell, but you may not get as much of an upfront cash payment uh, certainly at the moment because the new acquirer wants to to reduce risk or limit risk. I, I agree, and I think mid market business owners they they've got the optimism bias in themselves anyway, so they're likely to see more opportunities where a lot of other people just won't see opportunity. So you bang on the the, the strong businesses have got the good foundations. They're they're punching through this. Um, they're just buying their time. Um, they're, they're being careful with the way they manage their business at the moment 
and they're just waiting to see what happens on the horizon and then they'll come out fitter, stronger, faster and, and, and taking, making the most of the opportunities. And if that means acquiring some others that uh, aren't so strong, good luck to them. So what uh, do you see as many of the kind of misconceptions that um, a founder of a mid-market business who is uh, drawing in on retirement age, um, what are some of the misconceptions that, uh, that take them by surprise in terms of uh, selling their business and what's involved and what they should have done earlier on in terms of planning that would have eased that process or increased the valuation? Yeah, great question. Um, look, there's a number of things. And, and I guess one of the big ones is 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 being prepared for an unplanned exit. So we need to get that out of the way first, I think. And, uh, you know, let, let's say you're in partnership with a business and you're not the only owner of the business. If the worst should happen to you, you need to have some sort of shareholder agreement in place so that, you know, your business partner can continue the legacy of the business, continue going, working it to your vision, um, and, and it sets up, looks after your family in, in, in that event. And, uh, yeah, there's some insurances in place. And, and we just need to plan and, and have an idea of what's going to happen should that, that, that happen. In terms of, you know, let, let's assume that everything goes to plan and, and we're working in our business and it's all going well. Yeah, I guess the, the first misconception is that um, it's, it's pretty easy to just sell a business. It's much more complicated than selling a house. Um, it often takes you know 12 months to to actually get a transaction if you if you're going to open market and you're using a broker it'll take 12 months to to find a, a buyer and then you know the, the the next thing is to be aware that not all businesses that go to market do actually sell yeah. um, my business owner is, is aware of some great stats but it's, it's something like you know less than 50 percent actually do end up with a transaction and you know, one of the things that's been happening and has been a bit of a trend in the last few years is the concept of you know, using employee ownership. And employee ownership is a fantastic strategy, but the way it's been effectively, I think, introduced or leading to over here in the UK in the last few years is that it's a, oh my God, I've got no one else to sell my business to, maybe my employees will buy it from me and I can do a deal. And they've made it attractive by, by setting up some great tax advantages to do that. But for me, you know, the, the whole, the real benefit of employee ownership is succession planning, not just exit planning, where it's a great tool to get everyone lined up and motivated um, and pointed in the same direction and rewarded for you know, the business achieving its goals. And so it's a win-win-win. You know? the, the founders win, the employees win, and the business win as a whole. So I think you know, one of the things to be really aware of is, is using employee ownership as a succession strategy as well as an exit strategy. Yeah. And it doesn't prevent you from doing a trade sale anyway because yeah. everyone still wins. So yeah, Of course. Thinking it's going to be an easy process, big mistake. Thinking that uh, the business revolves around you and believing that uh, you can just walk away, um, regardless of how, how little involvement or how much involvement you have, you will still uh, be involved um, and, and need to be part of that transaction. And the other big thing is how much it takes your eyes off the ball. There's a big risk of when you're going through a transaction and, and getting your business ready, and going through that process, it can take your eyes off the ball. So it's really helpful to get some advisors or get some people in there who can look after the transaction or look after the business, one or the other. It's just a really tough, big ask to do both at the same time because 
if it doesn't go to plan, you need to make sure that the business is ticking on growing as it should be anyway. Um, you know, just as a, as a risk, um, a, you know, risk assessment, a risk strategy. I think I've bumbled on and, uh, no, but that's a really good point that once once a business owner starts to get a taste of the fact that they might get a, a, a decent exit, they start to think about what they're going to do with uh, the next stages of their lives. So they're, they're absorbed with the due diligence and negotiation pro- prospect. Then the time when they're not doing that, they're thinking about planning or they would, until <laughs> the pandemic, would be planning the around the world cruise or yeah. the type, the, the tour of the golf courses or whatever it might be. And But what they're not doing in, in amongst all of that is ensuring that the business um keeps to grow and therefore ensure that the numbers upon which the valuation principles are, are based are still looking positive and heading in the right direction. So there's a real risk there that the, um, either the deal doesn't happen or if the deal does happen, the, the money realized from the sale is less because the business has gone off the boil. Yeah, absolutely. And that's critical. And and you've, you've touched on something else that's also important. The, the business owner, if the deal doesn't go ahead, um, you know, as you say, they've got to keep working forward and, and pushing forward and, and growing the business and, and don't take their eyes off the ball because, uh, you know, it could end up going backwards and, and they've lost a whole lot of years, or if, if you like, or have years a lot of asset value. Yeah, certainly. So how, how do you help keep people, business owners, focused then, you know, focused on ensuring the business is growing whilst, whilst at the same time ensuring that they're putting enough energy and effort into the sale process and the, and the due diligence process? One of the things is we, we need to make sure that everyone has the same goals, you know, there's, there's and, and have everyone motivated for the same achievements. I'm a big fan of having an open culture. Um, we talk to a lot of business owners and, and they go, oh, look, you know, just, just contact me via my private email address. You know, I don't want the, the staff finding out you know, what will happen if they find out that we're considering selling the business or what would happen if we're considering succession planning. My approach is, hey, look, you know, and, and this depends on, on the businesses you're talking to, but the more you can be open with them, and, and this is where employee ownership's an, another winner, but the more you can be open with them, the more that you can, you know, not have to be worried about looking over your shoulder and, and where's the, the boss, where's the owner, who, who are these people in suits they're meeting with, um, you know, the, the, the more likelihood we get everyone working to achieving the goals. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of being open and, and going, this is what we're doing. Here's the reason we're doing it. Here's the win for you. Here's, here's the career path. On occasions, you know, you are looking for a trade sale and sometimes there's going to be some casualties. You know, that's a tricky one. And, you know, and I guess there's a good reason for when, you know, you don't want everyone to find out. But the market we work in is that owner-led, you know, that mid-market business, you know, the, our expertise is in that two to 50 million revenue bracket. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say 80% of the owners in that market really care about their employees. They're interested in their employees. They, are, they want what's best for their employees. They tend to want to keep their people involved. Um, and they're, yeah, they really care about their future because they think of them as part of their family. Yeah. And they want, they so, want them to be looked after on that legacy to be maintained as well. Absolutely. So, you know, most times it's okay. Type of thing. Just keep it open. So if you've got a three to five year time horizon to the point when you'll be looking to exit your, your business that you built up to 20 million, 30 million, what are the things that you should be getting in place over that period of time to a maximize valuation and B make that transition as smoothly as possible? 
Right. So the first thing we need to look at is we need to get your financials in order. Um, you know, people, you know, buyers are looking for a clean set of financials. You know, when we start our business, we go to our accountant and we're in startup mode and we say to our accountant, hey, look, I'm setting up this business. Look, set it up for me and I want it as tax efficient as possible. Yeah. And the accountant goes, yep, no worries. And then we keep growing our business and going through the motions and we never go back to our accountant and change that brief. Sure. If we're thinking that two, three, five years down the road, we're looking at an exit, we should be telling the accountant now, time to change that brief accountant yeah. because we're looking to build asset value. So we need to clean up the financials. And if we've got the, the, the longer we've got history of financials that are nice and clean, the easier it is. So we've got to get rid of all of the, you know, the, let's say the, the less uh, business expenses that a new owner won't incur. We also want to um, start paying a proper salary because once we, you know, we, we set up to be tax effective, we pay ourselves a, a minimum salary and take it all through dividends. Yeah. That's not relevant to a new owner. They want to see what the clean set of accounts are. So if we've got a clean set of hi history of accounts and our accounts are growing, that's a good sign for a buyer. Now, half of our value or, or some of our value is tied up on our balance sheet with all the sort of things that we can see through financials. There's a number of things that will add value to our business. We call them, we look at the seven levers that will leverage the valuation and will help increase the multiple. And we look at the things and go, what are the things that will add value, real asset value to your business, will make it more attractive to a buyer that just don't show up on your balance sheet? And I'm talking about things like IP. And I'm not talking about KFC IP, I'm talking about Subway IP. So KFC IP, secret formula, Subway IP, it's the consistent process. People know exactly what they're going to get, even though it's just a salad sandwich. So if we can get everyone in the business working to exactly the same process, we get our business known for, the, for delivering that process in the marketplace, then the business is known for the process. It's not known for key individuals. We eliminate that or we reduce the reliance on key individuals. Yep. We train everyone on how to do the process. We deliver it consistently. Now that process is giving us leverage in the marketplace. It's a point of difference. If it's connected to our product proposition, even better. So there's an example of you know, one of the things that we can put in place that will increase our valuation because it's just so predictable. Having that along with other systems in the business and process, processes make us a consistent, predictable, reliable business. We need a brand. If we've got an, an SME business owners, love having a brand, they love spending money on a logo and we get really proud of it. But no one cares. You've yeah. got to get your business to a size where, where it's known in the marketplace and it's representative. And, and ideally that brand rec represents your position in the marketplace and you're known for something different. You don't want to be just another player. If you're known for something, almost anything, it can add to your valuation. Yep. So we're talking about product, we're talking about brand, we're talking about a position in the marketplace, and ideally we want more locations. The more locations demonstrate we're, we're scalable and that we can just plug and play, and that then also helps make us more attractive to a strategic acquirer because they can go, oh, look, we can ship our product through their distribution network. They've got yep. access to a wider part of the market just through their location. And that doesn't really matter on, on whether you're a product or a service-based business. The strategy is the same. You also want to have your channels to the market. You've got to have clear visibility of where your clients come from. How do your clients arrive to you? 
can you is that predictable can you say i get this channel it, my cost per client acquisition is this this channel it's x y z so a marketing machine um, and then then you need a, a great culture and leadership team in place because you know if you've if you've got a a culture where staff are loyal and they and they stay with your business long term it reduces other costs in you know, your recruitment and what have you costs and they see a, a progression throughout the business great staff costs reliable culture low risk it's a nice business to buy so almost you know you could sum all that up as you want a boring business because a boring business is reliable and, and an easy one to purchase and the so risk or a, much less risk absolutely and and risk management is the name of the game so they're the sort of areas I'd look at. Okay, yes, we need to clean up your financials. Yes, we need to make sure that you're compliant and all your governance is is under control. And yes, we need to be looking at all those other things that don't show up on the balance sheet, which make you more attractive to a strategic acquirer if you've got three to five years. Um, and how much time you've got will determine how much of those things you can look at. Hi, Gavin here. I wanted to say a huge thank you. Thank you to all of you who have bought a copy of my book, Survive and Thrive, How to Secure, Scale and Succeed in Business. The feedback's been excellent. Copies have gone to all four corners of the planet. I'm so grateful and humbled. I also wanted to let you know that now the audiobook version is out. The audio format can be got from audible.co.uk or audible.com or from my website, surviveandthrive.cc. It was a lot of fun recording the audiobook and hopefully you'll pick up my passion as I take you through all the insights, strategies and case studies to help you not only survive but thrive through uncertain times. So go to audible.com or audible.co.uk to check out Survive and Thrive by Gavin Preston or grab it from my website, surviveandthrive.cc. Let's say you've got a year. Yep. Where'd you put your attention? I had a year. I'd be going to my accountant, if I'm honest, and going, let's get my financials sorted in order. Let's get some strategic financials in place because as soon as we go through due diligence, they're going to come and they want to, they're going to want to get visibility into our accounts and our history. And the quicker we can get information to them, and because if we anticipate what they're going to ask for um, and we can give them the answers quickly, then that'll give them a whole lot of confidence in every other aspect of our business. If they're asking for information and we go, yep, and three weeks later we come back and go, there you go, then they go, oh, we need something else. And another three weeks later, it, you know, it takes us that long to, because we're preparing the information as they're asking for it. Every time that happens, it just creates more doubt and more risk in their mind because they're going, these guys aren't on top of this stuff. They don't know it. So I'd be, if I just had a year, I'd be looking at my financials. I'd probably get some um, um, part-time finance people in to boost up my, my, my internal finance skills and, and get on top of my finances if I'm not already there. Right. Um, other, other than that, yeah, you'd, you'd be, be looking at reporting and, and the sales and marketing machine of your existing product. So given that you, you're like, I, I believe you're likely to see more deals where there's a greater proportion of deferred consideration of an earn out. What, I think it's two, two sides of the same kind of question here. How can a business owner reduce their risk by reducing the amount of the pack, the, the exit fee that's deferred, that's going to be an earn out. So what can they do to get more money up front is a clearer way of asking that question. And then what, if, 
with the amount of the deal that is left uh, to be earned out over time, what could they do to ensure that they don't, as you said in the opening, you know, leave money on the table and, and, and erode the value of the deal? Look, when deals are set up, it's, you know, it's the buyer uh, mitigating their risk. <clears throat> so what we want to do is have the business as templated as, as much as possible. So if, if the business really doesn't rely on the owners being there, so that, you know, if the owners have, have a history of being able to take, I don't know, six-week holidays and the business keeps growing without them, then that's a sure sign that the business doesn't need them. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the owners might go, well, look, I need you in here for an earnout period. But what I have seen happen is, is they'll set up the earnout period and three to six months in, they say to the owners, look, clearly the business doesn't need you. Is that we're actually better off without you because you're not adding any value. Go away. Here's your money type of thing. Because, you know, we need to take it from here. All the risk is addressed because well done. You did that beforehand. So the more, systemized and templated the business can be and you're just adding to strategic decisions and input the less likely you are to to really be needed to to you know for a longer earn out period so it's it's the same old story isn't it it's it's um you know systemize your business train people in the systems prove that you've got the training system in place and that the system works and that you're reporting against it and demonstrating that the system is works demonstrating that you've got a process for updating the system and I'm talking sales, marketing, you know, operating systems, everything. Um, uh, yeah, that, and that's what I mean by a boring business almost. Um, but it's, it's really comforting to a new buyer because that, that means some, if you don't have that in place, then you're really narrowing your potential buyers to someone within your industry who understands your industry and then what they're doing is just looking to buy a new client base, extend their client base. If your business is really templated and doesn't need you, then you're opening up your market to, to almost anyone, just an investor who could buy your business, get sure. rid of you, and the business keeps making money. Great. That's Great. The, the, the golden one, uh, opportunity. So the due diligence process in its own right, you know, that's where there's backwards and forwards of a lot of questions, whether it be about your financials of your business, about the processes and, and systems of your business, about personnel, about insurances, risks, etc. There's a huge amount of detail, but also some of the negotiating tactics or questions can feel quite um, tough going for a, for a founder. And they can yeah. feel like they're being questioned as to why they did this why they did that and as if and, and by uh, implication criticized how do you help business owners i don't know develop a, a thicker skin or endure some of the more either tedious or accusatory type uh, you know unpleasant aspects of the due diligence process well i guess the the more you've planned for it and anticipated all of these questions the more you've already got the information available and that's what I call being exit ready. You've got your documents. You, you've almost got your own data room set up already. Yep. But you've got everything and you keep it up to date along the way and you've got your reporting and up to date. And it's like a pack you have. So you present this. You've signed your, your, your confidentiality documents. They start asking questions. They go, we need this. You go there. They go, we need this. You go there. It gives them so much confidence that they don't need to ask in all, all those deep questions that you're alluding to. If you haven't had the time to prepare up front, 
then that's when it's really beneficial to have an advisor with you, like a, an interim type advisor, a, someone who's been through the process before, just to hold your hand along the way. Because yeah. for most business owners, especially if they're baby boomers, they've built their business over 10, 20, 30 years, this is the only exit they're going to do. Sure. So they want to get it right. So you know, spend the money on getting someone to help you go through it, make that process a whole lot easier. And that person in, in, is in their role has got your back. They're, they're covering for you and they can be that interim. They can be that person in between you and the questions and they can become that filter and they'll speed the whole process up for you. And, you know, they just get in the way or in between rather, not in the way. Um, they, they, they're in between to, to stop you taking it personally. Because like, you know, we don't, you could take them through and coach them and help them. You go, hey, look, it's not about you, but they just want to get the job done. They just, they're just thinking about that yacht, you know, that, that sitting on a beach with a, a pina colada or a, or a nice cold beer or whatever it is. We just need to get them through the process so that they don't end up too battered and bruised. Uh, post acquisition, uh, there's the whole piece around integration. How, how, what are some of the things that could help a founder if they still are required in the business by way of an earn out for let, let's say 12 months? How do they let go of what was their baby? Well, when they see the size or the number of zeros on the end of that check that's just dangling in front of them, that's normally a, a pretty big motivator. <clears throat> yep. And depending on them, on, on the owners and where they're at, you know, I, I've seen all sorts of different ways. I've seen some people just rock up and just be there um, um, and actively get involved and hand over relationships and introduce the, the new people and, and almost systematically take them through every part of the business and really diligently. But that's a certain type of personality. We're talking entrepreneurs. We're talking people who, have, who are relationship people. You know, most of the time they, they've done the deal and they'll just gradually phase out as they're less and less required. If it's a year, you know, that's a, that's a good one because it's really just a confidence piece for the new buyers. And what they find is kind of three, six months in, this is great. You've handed over all the relationships. We now feel comfortable with the clients. Clients are comfortable with us. Why don't you just keep on tap? You don't need to come in anymore, but if anything should happen, you know, we'll give you a call, you know, stay out of our way, let us get on with it type of thing. But we just need you there just in case for insurance. So, yeah, it's, it's the old case, isn't it? The more you prepare the less you'll have to do down the track. And especially like we need to be aware that a if we get our planning right, the business owner has already made, they know what they're moving on to. Yep. You know, whether it is a yacht or whether they want to go do voluntary work or they want to you know, do some part-time things, business owners who know what their next phase is going to include are more prepared and they, they don't stall the process. If the business owner feels stressed or forced into exiting their business and they don't know what's next, they can become a barrier and they end up creating roadblocks. And I've seen it where they're indecision, they're, 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 because they've got no clarity around the future, they end up breaking the deal. So yeah, it's not an exact answer to the question, but... Um, yeah, that's, we, a, that's a really good insight yeah. then, because if... if you know, nature abhors a vacuum, doesn't it? So they've got nothing else to go on to. They're going to subconsciously hang on to what they already have. Exactly. Yeah. So you just you explained it way better than me. 
<laughs> so do you you will no doubt be able to spot that then is that one of your sort of early questions what do you plan yeah. to do afterwards yeah. Yeah. we we start with a you know a, like cons- most consultants we have a diagnosis but we look at the cultural and the commercial sides because one of the other things that we found about business owners is you know they are entrepreneurs and their business is is often the biggest you know asset they've got and they go my business is providing for life after work they haven't done any planning or any pension planning for it they just go my business i'll sell my business one day and it'll it'll provide my pension but what we've noticed over the years is that the more businesses plan for um, life after after work for example the more they plan and they make sure that everything is secure and they're financially set up outside of their business asset the less stress they have because not everything is riding on the business anymore on a good you know a nice successful exit because they've got security and, and wealth built outside the business and with that removed stress they tend to be better leaders in the business and the business becomes a better place to be anyway so it's just another consideration is to go, well, let's get have a look at all of the planning and let's start and do a complete diagnosis of the business and we'll look at the personal financial planning and we also look at the personal goals and aspirations of all of the owners because something else to consider is often you get owners of different age brackets and, and one wants to get out and go, well, well, we need to sell the business and the other goes, well, hang on, I don't want to sell the business. I've, I've still got years to go. So, you know, succession and exit planning, we need to consider all of the the, the, the owners in the business and what their personal goals and stages of life and aspirations are. And what we start by doing is we have a look because what we tend to do as business owners is we go, oh, look, for example, Gavin and I are in business together. Therefore, we must have 50% equity each because we're in it and we don't want anyone to have any imbalance there. Therefore, we take the same money out of the business and we do the same roles often. And therefore we share decision-making. So we want to buy a new, I don't know, computer and, and we both have a say in the purchase of a computer. It's the most inefficient thing that we could possibly do. So what we do is we have a look at those three areas or those three benefits of business ownership. There's income, there's ownership and there's control. And yep. we unbundle income, ownership and control. And we go, let's have a look at succession and or exit on each of those three areas for the business owner and owners and figure out what the best best plan forward is so we unbundle it and you know that just helps make clear things up for for business different people because they have different priorities in different areas some is the income and and the income should be what do i get paid for the job i do ownership is well basically i get dividends and there's some other responsibilities of owners and control is you know how's the decisions made in the business you know, is it a board? What's the board structure? How is the board composed? Who sits on the board? All those sort of decisions. Fantastic. So if somebody listening to this is thinking three years, three to five years, um, I want to sell my business and I'd like to, 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 to find out more about what you and your team do with a view to them, you helping them. How do they do that, Daryl? Well, first thing would be to come to our website, uh, www.successionplusplusonthend.co.uk um, or Daryl Bates Brownsword, pretty unique name. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm sure you can point them to my way if they, if they, if they get stuck. Succession Plus is the website. We've got YouTube. We've got LinkedIn pages. We're all over it everywhere. Um, that's the way to go.
and the key message for me is um plan ahead so don't don't suddenly wake up one day and say right within the next three months i want to sell my business you you, you're planning three plus years out ideally yeah begin with the end in mind and you know run your business know exactly what your outcome is you're looking for and you got more chance of getting there great love that daryl thank you so much for your time today my pleasure great chatting with you Gavin. thanks to daryl for a great interview there you know, pretty easy to sell a business is a misconception that we actually have to take specific steps now in order to get our business ready for sale, such as getting the financials tidied up, time to change the brief that you are not necessarily wanting to minimize tax, but you wanting to maximize asset value on your balance sheet and pay a proper salary to yourself. And then he takes us through things that we need to do, right? Building intellectual property, uh, building a brand, having more locations, different channels to market, the importance of great culture and leadership in the business that can endure and run in that business when you step back. All of those things will help mitigate risk for the buyer. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success, and create more impact.